0: Hi friends, Deacon Charlie here. Hope you've had an incredible Holy Week so far. I'm putting this uh, episode out on Holy Thursday, but perhaps you're listening to it on Good Friday or at some point during Easter. Either way, I wanted to just mark this week with an episode in honor of this incredible moment in our liturgical calendar, and one that, frankly, I think we sometimes take for granted, at least I do. You know, I came up uh, in a Hispanic household, so I came up hearing and speaking Spanish when I was a kid, and the idea of Semana Santa, which is Holy Week uh, in Spanish, was something that, because it was used so much and it had so many different meanings, it meant Holy Week, obviously, it meant spring break, it meant vacation, it meant so many different things that I think my understanding of Holy Week varied depending at what period of time you would have asked me the question. It's sad in a way, uh, again, one of the limitations of the English language, that Holy Week has now been sort of usurped by this idea of spring break, right? My kids are off for spring break. We don't even ask ourselves, where does spring break come from? The idea of spring break, well, it comes... From Holy Week. It's supposed to be a time that we take away from school, away from work, a a time that we're supposed to be unified in family, in community, and in church to celebrate the amazing uh, liturgies and the experience of the Catholic faith that it gives us during this particular time of year. Now, obviously, the whole thing kicked off uh, with Palm Sunday, the beautiful entrance into this final week of Jesus's earthly ministry culminating with the celebration of the Easter vigil on Saturday night, the rising and the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, which of course is a centerpiece of the Christian life and experience. And there's nothing ordinary about this week. Again, I think we sometimes take it for granted because we have this sense that, well, the church has a lot of liturgical moments, a lot of high points, you know, we've got uh, nativity and you know we've got uh, you know different we've got a chrism mass we've got uh, you know the mass of of christmas time we've got the masses uh, you know of of major saints we've got a, so many different feasts and moments throughout the calendar year that it can be easy to forget about how central holy week is to the christian life i was reflecting on this just recently, in fact, I preached about something similar to this, this weekend, which for me, as I record this, was Palm Sunday weekend. And I was reflecting on the Temple of Solomon, the Temple of Solomon, as a way to kind of have a bit of a psychological backdrop to the idea of Holy Week. And of course, Holy Week can, you know concludes or crescendos in this moment of the triduum, right, this amazing trilogy of liturgies, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil. And it it really is a crescendo, a high point in the entire calendar year, the entire liturgical year. But I was thinking about that in the context of the Temple of Solomon. You know, it's amazing that we have so much ability now with YouTube and social media and all these other different means to actually access what it might have been like to experience great antiquities, things of the past, the pyramids and amazing structures from the Babylonian period and the uh, you know Persians and all of these amazing civilizations, civilizations, the Aztecs and the Mayans. Recently, I came across a video recreation, kind of a three-dimensional video recreation of the, tum- the Temple of Solomon. And, it, you know, obviously we know about the, the the temple in Jerusalem, and we don't have to get too deep into the history, but this was the Temple of Solomon was built, as the name would imply, by King Solomon, the son of David. Now, David had the vision for this temple initially, but he didn't actually set out to do it. In fact, the Old Testament tells us that God told him he would not be the one to build the temple because he had blood on his hands from, you know, a lot of the military uh, activity, at least presumably that's what God had in mind when he told him he wouldn't be the one to do it, but his son actually did do it, did achieve this and built this fantastic uh, temple to God, a resting place for the Ark of the Covenant itself, which up until that point had been kind of in a portable state, the, ta- the tabernacle, or uh, which is the structure uh, that held the Ark of the Covenant was kind of a moving thing, right? And initially it started during the Exodus as the Israelites were leaving the land of Egypt and were in the desert for 40 years and kind of carrying this as a moving church, if you will, throughout that Exodus experience. But it was still in this kind of um, you know, movable form before Solomon got to actually build a permanent resting place for the Ark of the Covenant. And, and the Ark of the Covenant was the holiest thing, as you can imagine it would be, the holiest object uh, for the people of Israel. So Solomon sent out to, set out to actually build this amazing temple. And he used the absolutely best stuff for it. Right? I mean, he had gold and cedar and the finest stone that was available to create this amazing structure. He built that temple about 3,000 years ago from today. If we go back 3,000 years ago, that temple would have been built in Jerusalem at the high point at the basically at the top of the mount uh, of Mount Moriah which of course thousands of years later would also be the mount that would have upon it Calvary basically the cross that Jesus died on now it went through this temple went through a bunch of different iterations and you know people the Babylonians actually invaded and destroyed it and it was rebuilt again so the temple that Jesus and his disciples would have seen Uh, 2,000 years ago was not the same one that Solomon built a thousand years before them. But nevertheless, it still serves as a beautiful backdrop for our Holy Week reflection and Holy Week thinking. At least it does for me. And, And I'll tell you why. Palm Sunday for me, which is the kickoff of Holy Week, is kind of like the entrance into the courtyard of Solomon's temple. And, you know, we actually have that from scripture. Jesus comes in seated, on the the foal of a donkey, basically. The scripture says it uh, seated on an ass. And I know it always inevitably gets some giggle from people in the congregation, but that's what it is. It's a, you know, baby donkey, essentially. And he was seated on this. As he entered, and of course, people cried out Hosanna and laid down palms and, you know, recognized the Messiah as he entered Jerusalem. Ironically, many of those same people would later, as we heard in the Palm Sunday liturgy, they would later be the ones calling for his execution and saying, crucify him, crucify him. So it's interesting to think that the people who were laying palm fronds were were four days later, five days later, uh, yelling out to Pilate to crucify Jesus and you know that's another conversation as to how that happened um but nevertheless as as the disciples and Jesus walked into Jerusalem they would have had in their kind of backdrop physically or foreground depending on how you look at it they would have had the temple of solomon in fact scripture says that after jesus entered you know, into uh, Jerusalem on that final week, the very first thing he did, or one of the first uh, the things that are uh, captured in scripture is he went into the temple and that's where we have the famous overturning of the merchants' tables in the temple. So we know that the disciples and Jesus would have had the temple in their, you know, field of view as they entered um Jerusalem. So for me, the idea of Palm Sunday, that entrance into this final week, is like being in the courtyard of this temple. And you have to imagine what this thing was. I mean, it was visibly stunning, right? I mean, you think about landscapes today, and we've got skyscrapers and all of this stuff. They didn't have that, right, 2,000 years ago. So this structure, which, by the way, even by today's standards would have been amazing and tremendous to look at, nevertheless, at that point, 2,000 years ago, was like, I mean, like, landing on a different planet, right? You've got just miles and miles and miles of tundra and desert. And all of a sudden, the gates to this city called Jerusalem, and then atop of the highest, you know, part of that city is this amazing temple made out of the most incredible materials known to man at that time. So, Palm Sunday for us is the entrance into that temple courtyard. We can see the temple. We haven't walked in it yet. We can see it in the distance. It's amazing in stature, and we can feel its presence, and that's how we should feel as we enter Holy Week on Palm Sunday. We should be aware that this is no ordinary week. Just like 2,000 years ago, people entering into the gates of Jerusalem and seeing that temple would have recognized that that's just no ordinary building. That's something special. Inside of the temple, which kind of leads us down the path, uh, you know, through Holy Week, uh, inside of that temple were a variety of things. Now, on the outside of the temple, there were also some things that were very interesting. There was, you know, an altar of offering was basically like a giant barbecue, if you will, where a lot of the meat that was sacrificed in the temple was then burned up and offered to God. And there was a giant basin called the Molten Sea which was basically a giant uh, bowl of water out of brass, and it was held up by 12 oxen that were also made of brass, and that was where the priests would actually, by immersion, purify themselves, right? So think about this as like a baptism. They would sort of baptize themselves and purify themselves for all of the rites that took place inside the temple, and then there were other things. There were some movable, um, you know, basins that kind of moved around the courtyard property where the priests would also purify their hands, et cetera. There's a variety of those of kind of things. But those are the big items on the outside that we would have seen on Palm Sunday in the courtyard experience of Holy Week. Now, as we get to the triduum, which kicks off today, as you're hearing this, on Holy Thursday, to me, it's like entering the sanctuary of the temple. Right inside the temple, the place where maybe we from a Christian understanding would think of as where the congregation sits, right? This the, the space within the building that space was reserved only for the priest, and like people couldn't just walk in to the temple and sit down. In fact, there wasn't any place to, you know, to sit down, but it was this beautiful place and it was called the holy place. The You know, it was kind of where we would envision the congregation would be for them. It was called the holy place. And there were three things inside that holy place. There was a lampstand or, or a variety of lampstands. We can't exactly be sure. Um, there was also an altar of incense where, again, in the Jewish tradition and even to this day, incense was the prayers of the priest in this case, in our context, the prayers of the entire congregation going up to God as an offering to him, right? So sort of elevating our prayers up to him. And then there would have been a third thing, which which was a table with the showbread, S-H-E-W, the showbread and wine, which only the priest could eat. In fact, only the priest could be in there to begin with. So you got a lamp, you've got an altar of incense, and you've got bread and wine, things that we recognize instantly as Catholics, as Christians. And that's what Holy Thursday to me is like. It's sort of entering into that sanctuary. Now, we know, of course, from a Catholic understanding, that Holy Thursday also directly connects with the sacraments that Christ instituted for us on that night, namely the Eucharist itself, which is the center of our lives, and also the priesthood, right, gave us sort of that... The institution of his church at that particular moment, at least from a ministerial standpoint, that's when he gave us those two sacraments. So we have that additional clarity as it relates to Holy Thursday. But on Holy Thursday, we're in that holy place, in the sanctuary of the temple, surrounded by that lampstand, the incense and the bread and the wine. Then we come to Good Friday. And for me, Good Friday, in the context of this Solomon's Temple experience, is the veil, the veil of that temple. Now, we know that in, the Sol- in Solomon's Temple, what divided the sanctuary, which they called the holy place, from the ultimate sort of experience of that temple, which is called the holy of holies, a separate room, the thing that divided those two was this beautiful veil And we know that it had colors, and Scripture tells us of a description of this amazing veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And to me, that veil is very representative of Good Friday. Why? Because we know that the pivot point of salvation itself, which this is the cross, right? So on Good Friday, we celebrate and we recognize and commemorate the death of christ on that cross and we venerate the cross because through that cross we got salvation and so to me the pivot point of the triduum of those three important days is good friday is the death of jesus without that death we have no resurrection without his death we don't have salvation and just like that the veil in the old solomon uh temple experience would have separated the holy place, from the holy of holies, which was God, God's presence itself, right? So to me, Good Friday is the veil. And then finally, Easter Vigil, right? Easter Vigil on Saturday. Easter Vigil for me in this Temple of Solomon kind of experience is that final chamber inside of the Temple of Solomon, the holy of holies, the Holy of Holies was a separate little room that you would progress through. Again, you have to be the priest. And even that room, the Holy of Holies, the priest only went in once a year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. And he would bring in blood from the sacrifices that were that were conducted, he would bring in blood and drop it on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, what's known as the mercy seat. He would actually sprinkle the blood of those offerings on the mercy seat, and he only experienced that once a year. And so inside, he, he the mercy seat was the top of the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant contained also three very important things. It contained... The tablets that Moses actually received from God on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, it contained the Aaron's staff, the high priest's staff, and it also contained some of the manna that God made fall from heaven to feed the Israelites during their exodus. And for me, the Easter Vigil represents this Holy of Holies, but in a completely fulfilled way. Why? Because the Easter Vigil gives us the resurrected Jesus himself, who, like the Ark, contains some of the things that the Ark signifies. But instead of the Word of God written in stone, we have the Word of God himself in the flesh. And instead of the symbol of the high priest's authority like it is in the ark of the covenant with aaron's staff we have the high priest himself and instead of the food that fell from god from heaven to feed and nourish the people of israel like physically we have the eucharist the actual body blood soul and divinity of god himself to nourish us not only physically but also spiritually and our whole selves. So for me, the Easter Vigil is that entrance into the Holy of Holies to really experience the the presence of God and not just outwardly, but interiorly. So this is no ordinary week that we've been in. My brothers and sisters, and that's why we need to mark it in such a special way. So, as you go into this Triduum experience, I hope that you can visualize that Temple of Solomon, which God prefigured in a way for our benefit to give us this sense that we're really experiencing something completely new, something completely different, and something that is completely not ordinary. I hope we go into that triduum experience with that feeling inside of us and that we can advance that to everybody that we come in contact with. So after the resurrection, after this incredible experience of the Easter Vigil, we can go out into the world being that Easter people and bringing others to that same awareness. God bless all of you, all of your ministries, all of the things that you're going to be involved in during the Triduum. May God give you a sense of peace, of real understanding, of real joy for yourselves and for everyone you come in contact with.